uh, or in this sermon series called Lions. And it's, we're basing it on this one scripture in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. And so we've been talking about the fact that as believers, as godly, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be bold in our faith, bold in what we believe, bold in who we are in Christ, bold in who he is. And so in week one, we talked about having bold faith. And last week, we talked about having a bold witness. And this week, we're going to talk about having bold gratitude, bold gratitude. So if you look at the world today, there are plenty of folks who are bold complainers. Look at your social media. They're complaining about the restaurant they went to. They're complaining about the traffic. They're complaining about the government. They're complaining about the school. They're complaining about the church. They're complaining about the other church. They're complaining about, you know, whatever. So plenty of people feel bold in their complaining. But God's calling us as believers to be bold in our gratitude. And so we're going to talk about that today. So I just want to read one scripture, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 16, and in this one, uh, actually it's uh, 16 and 17. I'm sorry, verses 16 and 17. It says, <clears throat> and if we, if we do just what this says, look out world. <laughs> Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in verse 18 there. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So here's the big idea. Bold gratitude opens doors for us for blessing. And you'll notice that it says here that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. All circumstances. So, if you think about it, it's pretty easy for us to be thankful when we get the good news. It's really easy to be thankful when we get the raise, we get the promotion, we get what we've been wanting, when we have a great day at work, we have a great day at home, when everything's going great, when we, they're just flowing in the goodness of, of, of life and goodness of God. It's easy to be thankful. But, we are called to be thankful in all circumstances, not just the good circumstances. And so there are times when we get bad news or a bad report or we don't get the promotion and someone else gets it or we don't get the raise or we don't have a great day at work or we don't have a great day at home or we don't have everything going our way or our prayer doesn't get answered. And he's telling us in these times that we're still supposed to be grateful, have a heart of gratitude. So for our purposes this morning, I sort of wanted to find bold gratitude as being able to be bold, boldly grateful, even in the bad circumstances, even when it does not make sense to us, even when our flesh wants to not be grateful because God has called us to be grateful, then, then we need to be bold in that gratitude. We need to be convinced 
in those moments so convinced of God's character and God's goodness and God's purpose on our life that we can say in this moment, it's not the moment I've been asking for. It's not the moment I'm excited about. But in this moment, I can still have a grateful heart. I can still be thankful. That's difficult, isn't it? But, but the Bible tells us this. There's a couple of things I want to talk about um, why we should be grateful, why we should not be ungrateful. And then I want to talk to us about how we can have a grateful heart. So here's some reasons why we should be grateful. Psalm 100 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. So if you think of it in these terms, thanksgiving, having a grateful heart, being thankful, opens the gate into his presence. When we come into his presence, we should come with a grateful heart. We should come with thanksgiving. We should come into that presence. So let's think of it this way. Gratefulness, thankfulness is sort of the key that unlocks the gate into his presence. And the Bible tells us that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Now, who wants joy? Hallelujah. So if we think of it in these terms, in those moments when we get the bad news, we get the bad report, we didn't get what we wanted, we got what we didn't want, all those bad things happen, our flesh does not want to be joyful in that moment. It just, it's just who we are. But if we can be stop and begin to thank the Lord for all that he has done, and we can begin to have a grateful heart for who he is and what he's doing for us and what he's going to do for us, it opens the gate then for us to come into his presence. And in his presence, joy can come in even in the bad news, even in the sad moment, even in the difficulties of life. It's a supernatural joy. It's not the woo joy, it's, but it's a joy that says, even in this, I'm at peace with the Lord. I'm joyful in my spirit because I'm in the presence of God Almighty and His presence brings me joy even in the midst of this bad news. And how do we get there again? By being thankful, having gratitude, by going into His presence with gratitude. Bold gratefulness also can actually change the circumstance. So let's look at it this way. Two things. One, in God's presence, in his presence, we know that the supernatural begins to happen. Whenever, wherever Jesus went, supernatural things happened, right? When God brought his glory to the earth, supernatural things happened. When we're in his presence, supernatural things could happen. So when we enter into his presence with thanksgiving in that presence he can begin to do miracles and supernatural things but also I want to read to you um, out of John chapter 6 and so to set this up it's the it's a well-known story Jesus is teaching to 5,000 says there's 5,000 men so they've estimated there's probably at least 15,000 people there the disciples come to Jesus at the end of the evening and say it's a hey, master it's getting late these people are getting hungry. We need to send them away so they can go to town and buy them something to eat. And Jesus says, will you feed them? And they're going, well, what do we have? I, you know, we can't feed them. And he goes, well, what do you have? And, and so they come back and they say, well, we got two pieces of fish, got a few pieces of bread. This is all we have. We cannot feed them with this. And here's what it says in verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. 
So the disciples came to Jesus saying, this is all we have. It's not enough. It can't, two pieces of fish, a little piece, 15,000 people, a little bit of fish, 15, still 15,000 people. They're looking at that. Jesus says, give it to me. And what does he do? He gives thanks for it. He doesn't say, Heavenly Father, please multiply this. He just says, thank you, Lord, for this fish and this, this bread. Thank you for it. And see, what I think what we can learn from that is when we tend to look at what we don't have, rather than complaining about it and thinking that it's lack and it's not enough, if we begin to thank the Lord for what we do have, then, then God can multiply that and meet the need. So sometimes we're looking at ourselves and going, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough education. Uh, I don't have enough training. Or I don't have those skills. Or we look at our bank account and say, that's not enough. Or we look at our resources and say, that's not enough. And we begin to be complaining about it. Like, God, why don't you give me more? But in those moments, if we could just say, God, thank you for what you have given me. Thank you for what I do have. Thank you for what I do know. Thank you for the skills I do have. Thank you for the people you've put around me. Thank you for what is in my bank account. I thank you for what I do have. I thank you for all these things. And if we begin to thank God for those, then he can, by that gratitude, we move into his presence and he can change the circumstance and he can make what we're tempted to think of as not enough into more than enough. And if you know the story, they ended up taking up 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards. So every disciple got to take home their own dog bag of stuff because God thanked Jesus thanked them for that right we also know that Jesus on the night of of his betrayal it said that he broke the bread and he thanked God for it listen in the moment he was being betrayed in the moment when he knew Judas was getting ready to leave and betray him Jesus was still thanking God he was being thankful He's being thank thankful. So in those times, if we can be thankful for what we don't have, if we can be thankful for what we lack, God can multiply it and make it into something powerful. Amen? So those are just a couple reasons why we need to be grateful. Here's why reasons we don't need to be ungrateful. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talks about the end times, and he basically tells us here that being ungrateful is sin. That's where everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> let, me, let me read to you what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and what? Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So here's what I want us to see. Two things from this scripture. 
G, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about the, the last days, the end times, when the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, the Antichrist will be on the earth in the last days. These are how people are going to act. So one of the spirits of the Antichrist is going to be ungratefulness. This constant state of discontent and complaining. Never being happy with anything, being ungrateful for what is good, being ungrateful for it. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And if you look into the Old Testament, when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, one of the big problems that God had with them over and over is they were complainers. Do you remember the story when it's like, if only we could go back to Egypt because they had cucumbers. Cucumbers. <laughs> now, I like cucumbers. But these must have been some great cucumbers. Because if you're wanting to go back into slavery to eat a cucumber, man. That's, so, I mean, but that's, what they were, that's where they were at. And God was saying, you're complaining against me. Instead of being grateful for the manna I've given you, instead of being grateful for the quail I've given you, instead of being grateful that I brought you out of slavery and I'm taking you into freedom to the promised land, you're so ungrateful. And it just goes against the heart of God. And it's sin. It's, it's lumped in there with a lot of other things. And the other thing I want you to notice is the very end of that passage, it says, stay away from people like that. So I think what it's just, one of the things that, that spoke to me was that ungratefulness is contagious. You ever, you ever have those conversations where, how are you today? Fine. Everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, man, have you seen gas prices or whatever? Do you watch the news last night? Man, the boss is really, or whatever, whatever. And then it just, and then so you, you'll see this dynamic. Man, this is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. And this is even worse. Yeah, I know. And this is even worse than that. And man, this is awful. And it just begins to go down this hill of ungratefulness and complaining and murmuring and disputing. And it, it can be bad. And what, what Paul is saying, don't get around people like that. If there are people that in your life that every time you go around them, they drag you down from being thankful and grateful to being ungrateful, then you may need to separate yourself from them. And I know that's hard. That's a hard word. But what he's saying is don't let that spirit of ungratefulness jump on you. And so one of the things, that, the other thing I think that we can take from this is if, if ungratefulness is contagious, I believe gratefulness is contagious. And when we're around people that are saying, thank you, Jesus, let me just tell you how good God is. Let me tell you how wonderful God is to my family. Let me tell you what he, these prayers he's answered. Or even in the midst of a hard time going, you know what, I know this is terrible, but can we just give God thanks? I just want to thank God for it. He saved me. He's given me life. He's given me my family. He's given me whatever. That speaks volumes. And it can change the temperature of the room. And so God has called us to be a people. That even in the hard things, even in the bad news, even in the bad report, to be grateful. Because I'm going to tell you, your lost friends and a lot of your Christian friends are going to be moved by you when you are in that hard time can still be grateful. They're going to be blown away. And go, I mean, I can think of some people in my life that when I'm around, when I leave their presence, I'm like, I can run through a wall right now because they have they just encouraged me so much. And then I can think of some people when I, well, anyway. So I'm not going to, I'm, I'm thankful for those people. <laughs> Amen. I'm thankful for those people. But he, we need to be the people that are going, that people are saying, I want to be around that Mark Huff guy because every time I'm around him, man, he's just, all he's talking about how, how good God is. You know what I mean? That's who we need to be. And so how do, how do we do these? How do, how do we remain grateful 
in difficult and hard circumstances. Because I know what I'm talking about sounds good, but we also know it's hard. It's hard when the doctor gives you a bad report to in that moment say, thank you, Jesus. It's hard when you get passed over at work. Or it's hard when she breaks up with you. Or it's hard when the thing you've been counting on falls through. In that moment to say, thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to look at some scriptures with you guys this morning. And hopefully these will help us to learn how to be grateful in those difficult times. First one is Romans 8.28. We know this scripture. I use this scripture a lot. It's one of my life verses. So many times I have to go back to this scripture. But in the New Living Translation, it says it this way. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Okay, let me read that one more time. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Okay, so let me just start here. It does not say everything will just work out. There's people that, I've heard this, you know, everything, everything happens for a reason. Everything will just work out. The universe will take care of me. I don't understand that. So are you saying today Mars and Venus came together and they were so good to me? The Milky Way was nice to me today. I'm counting on the galaxy to take care of my problems. No, what it says is God will make everything work together for who? Those who love God. So if we know God, if we're in a personal relationship with Jesus, if we have invited him into our life, if we've accepted him as our Lord, made him our Lord, and we've allowed him to be the Savior of our life, and we're born again, then we can count on this scripture. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not in a relationship with him, this is not a promise for you yet. But it will be as soon as you give your life to Jesus. Amen? And the other thing once you see from the scripture is it says that we know that God causes everything to work together for our, everything. So if you think about everything, that's the good things in your life will work together for your good. Also means the bad things in your life will work together for your good. That God can take those good things and the bad things and the mediocre things and he can work them all together in the end that's going to come out for your good. It's going to come out for your, your good. Um, I told this story earlier, so I don't know if y'all remember. Anybody ever watch Hee Haw? I, 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 there's, okay, a few people watch Hee Do y'all remember there was this, always this guy that would come on, he would tell a story, and Roy Clark would go, that's good, and he'd go, no, that's bad. And then he'd tell a story, and he'd say, Roy Clark said, that's bad, and he'd go, no, that's good. Y'all remember that? Am I, the, I know that I'm the oldest one in the room, but I remember that, okay? And so <clears throat> this story is sort of like this. So um, I've asked Bobby's permission to tell the story, by the way. So when she was in elementary school, she tried out for, for cheerleader. And um, so she didn't make the team. She didn't make the squad. And that was a hard moment for her. And everybody goes, that was bad. <laughs> no, that was good. And here's why it was good. Because then the, a lady teacher there started asking Bobby and some other girls, if I'm getting the story right, to, to start playing basketball with her um, at recess. So Bobby started playing basketball. So the next year she goes to uh, middle school and she tries out for the basketball team. 
And so they pray about it, her and her mom pray about it. And, you know, if it's the Lord's will, let me make the basketball team. Not only did she make the sixth grade team, made the seventh grade team and the eighth grade team as well, right? Did I get that right? That was a good thing. And here's why. Because across town, there was me who wanted to play basketball, wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. I, I, was, uh, I was short, but I, but I was also slow. So I, I, um, so I did not make the basketball team. And everybody said, that was bad. No, that was good. Because a few years later, there was Bobby went to Feltz. Mark went to London. I was three years older. There was probably no way that the two of us would ever cross paths. But one day, one day, God's counselor comes knocks on my science class door, gets me out of class. I'm thinking, what have I done? And he says, um, we're going to get some, some senior boys together to practice against the girls' basketball team. Would you like to do that? And I was thinking, well, I don't have anything else to do. I, I like basketball. That'll be fine. So I began to practice against the girls' basketball team with some other guys. Now, that's illegal now, but it was legal then, okay? And um, so one day, literally, going for a rebound, Bobby Lynn White and Mark Huff run into each other, knock each other down, and I get up seeing, I get up seeing hearts and stars. I'm like, I'm thinking, this is the cutest little girl I've ever seen in my life. I'm in love. And so we met that way. There's no way she was, at that time, we were at separate buildings of school, all those things, different parts of the county, did not go to church together. But God made some things that seemed bad at the time. Not making the cheerleading squad, not being able to make, see, if I'd been on the boys' basketball team, I would have not met her. But God used those things to bring us together. And let me tell you something. All that worked together for my good. It, now, now, you ask Bobby later, she might say, I wish that never happened. But for my, it worked together for my good. God used those things to bring us together. And I'm, I'm probably in all of your lives, there's stories where God used a thousand little things that you never knew about was going on. And this thing was happening. And this thing was happening. And some of it was good. And some of it was bad. And this was disappointing. And this was hard. But then God brings it together for our good. And so if we can remember that when we get the bad news, when we, when we get the thing that hurts us, when we get the thing that just knocks the floor out from under us, if we can remember that, that God does work everything to our... I'm not saying that we should be thankful for the bad thing and say, God, I thank you for the bad report. But we can be thankful knowing that God can still bring those things together, right? He can still make them work together. Another scripture, Genesis chapter 50. This is where... Joseph, you know, remember Joseph's brothers put him in a pit and Joseph goes through all these terrible things and his brothers end up coming back and asking for food. And they, in Genesis chapter 50, they're basically coming back to Joseph again going, please don't kill us. We know we did you wrong. Please don't take that out on us. And here was Joseph's response. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And so in those times when we get bad news or bad things are happening to us or it's not going our way or things are hard in life, if we can remember that what the devil has intended for our harm, God can use that for not only our good, 
but to bless others and so that many people can be saved. So in those moments, if we can stay grateful, if we can stay thankful, and we can say, God, I don't like what's going on, but I can see that you can even take this thing and use it for my good, and not only for my good, for my family's good, and for my community's good. And I'm going to bring a testimony out of this that many people can be saved through this. Amen? And so we can keep those things in, in mind. And, and so sometimes it's just choosing, choosing to be grateful in a, in a hard time. There were two nine-year-old boys, twin boys. And... Um, they were getting close to their 10th birthday, and the mom was getting very concerned about them. And, and so she takes them to a psychologist and said, here's my problem. One of my nine-year-olds is so unthankful, is not thankful for anything, is so pessimistic, looks at the bad side of everything, never thankful for anything, never appreciative, terrible. My other son is so thankful and so optimistic that he only looks at the good side of everything. I'm worried about him because I'm afraid he's going to get in trouble because he thinks everything's great. And he never sees the danger, never sees the bad anything. So I need help with him. What, what are we going to do? And so the psychologist says, so the 10th birthday's coming up, right? Yeah, a couple weeks. So he said, I tell you what, on their birthday, you bring them here and we're going to do a little experiment and we're going to fix them. So on their 10th birthday, they show up, and so he takes first the boy that's never thankful, never grateful, never happy, never glad about anything, and he takes him into this room, and it's full of toys, brand new toys, electronics, everything the kid would ever want. He says, this is your birthday, man. This is for you. Go in there and have a great time. Uh, we'll be back in a little while. I close the door, and he says, man, he's going he's gonna to have to be thankful for that. He's going to have to be happy about that. So then he takes the other boy that's always optimistic, always thankful, never sees about anything, takes him to another room, and it is full of manure. It stinks. Horrible. Pile to the ceiling manure. He puts him in there and says, here's your birthday present. Go on in there. And he goes, he cannot be thankful for that. There's no way he's going to be happy. So we're going to bring them together. Somehow we're going to bring them together. Gives him 30 minutes, comes back. Goes in the room with the boy that is never thankful, never happy, and he's sitting in the middle of the floor crying. Not touched one of his toys. He goes, what is going on? He said, these toys are just going to get old and they're going to break and the batteries are going to run dead and I'm going to have to fix them. My mom's going to have to take them back to the store and they're going to get old and I'm going to have to put them up and I'm going to have to do all this stuff. It's just terrible. I can't, I can't enjoy them. Psychologist goes, what in the world? She goes, I, but okay, so that's him. But I know the other kid cannot be happy about the manure. So he goes to the other room and the kid's throwing manure everywhere. He's going, whoa! man, this is great. This is awesome. He's throwing manure and it's all over him. It's all over the walls, it's all over everything. And it's just a big mess. And the psychologist goes, what are you doing? He said, man, if there's this much manure, there has got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we got to be looking for the pony in the mess, in the midst of our manure, right? We got to say, God, I don't, this is not what I want. I didn't want manure for my birthday. But if you gave me manure, there's got to be a blessing in it somewhere. If there's that much mess in my life, there's going to be something good in my life. Amen? And choose to be grateful. Choose to be grateful. There's another script, two more scriptures I, I want to read to you. So one, John chapter 13, verse 7. Here's what Jesus says. He's talking to Peter. And he says, you don't understand now what I'm doing but someday you will. When, when Peter was asking him about him being crucified and him being betrayed, here's what, here's what he said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. 
And if we can remember that there are sometimes that things are going to happen in our life that we don't understand now. But if we would trust Jesus, one day we will. And that may be on this earth, it may be in heaven. But Jesus promises, one day you're going to understand. You're going to understand. He says to Peter, you're not going to understand why I'm being crucified right now, but one day you will. You're not going to understand why I'm allowing Judas to betray me, but one day you will. You're going to understand it all. And many of us can probably think of times in our life when we were looking at a situation going, I don't understand this, God. I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. I don't know why you would let, because I thought that this, it would turn out this way. I thought you would answer this prayer. I thought you would have done this. I would have thought I would have never had to go through this. I don't understand this. But if we can remember this promise from Jesus, you don't understand now, but someday you will. And I can think of some things in my life that at the time I thought, man, I don't understand why. And later I did understand. And if I'm honest with you, there's things right now that I'm going, I don't understand that. I don't understand why that's going on. I don't know why that happened. I don't understand why. But I'm trying to trust Jesus that one day this promise will come to pass and I will understand. And it'll all make sense, right? And so if we could remember that promise. And then the last thing is, we can be grateful because our best is yet to come. Now, this could mean a couple of things. One, if we do believe that all things work together for our good, if it's not good, it's not done, as they say. And one of these days, it will be good. But also, if we have in a, in a, a perspective of eternity that we live in life that's like a millisecond compared to all of eternity. And there's going to be things that happen on, on this earth that are not good. And some of you have gone through horrible things. Some of you have gone through getting news that just knocked you to the floor. Some of you have gone through betrayal. Some of you have gone through terrible things, terrible things. And I, I'm not making light of any of that. And I'm not just saying that we just pass over those things. I understand that. I understand that. But if we can always keep in mind that we're, if we are in relationship with Jesus on the day that we pass from this life to the next, or we're in relationship with Jesus when he comes back and he's coming back. That we will have eternity in heaven with him. Eternity. Eternity. So the last scripture I want to share with you. I chose the King James Version because here Paul shows that he's from, he's from southeastern Kentucky. For I reckon. For I reckon that the sufferings. Of this present time are not worthy to, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm going to read that again. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to even be compared. We shouldn't even put them in the same sentence. Compare with the glory which shall be revealed into us. See, here's the thing, guys. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, there will be a day when there will be no more tears. There will be no more bad reports. There will be no more bad news. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more separation. There will be no more of those bad days that we're trying to figure out. And in that moment, we will understand. We will understand. 
And if we can keep in mind that today may be a bad day, God, I can still be thankful because I know you and you're in my life. You're with me. You're for me and you love me. And there's going to be a day when everything's going to be made right. And I'm going to be in your presence. Be in your presence. And all this stuff that disappoints us is going to be behind us and gone. And at that moment, it won't even compare. It won't even compare. So guys, if we, if we can just always remember that God does work everything together, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the, the amazing, all that, he works it all together for our good. If we can remember that even what the enemy has intended to take us out, intended to harm us, God can use for our good and to bless others. If we can remember that even though I don't understand it today, that there will be a day when Jesus will reveal it to us and we will understand. And if we can keep in mind and remember that the sufferings of this present age are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that we're going to experience one day in heaven, then in those times, in those times when everybody around us is ungrateful, we can be grateful. In those times when our flesh wants to cry out with complaining and murmuring and, and aggravation and all those things, we can still say, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I'm grateful. I can come into your presence with thanksgiving. I can thank you. Guys, that's bold gratitude. That's bold gratitude. And I, I, the last thing I'll say, the world, is, the world needs me and you to be grateful. There's a lost world that's, that doesn't have anything to be thankful for. They need to see gratefulness in us. Amen. So would you stand with me and...